the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As you can hear by the noise in the background, Greg and I have been let out of the studio, and we are in... Uh, we're out in the field, Greg. We're, we're actually doing interviews at a briefing uh, that was held for clergy, faith-based leaders, and their staff on California's new comprehensive sexual education curriculum. And there's a, a, a list of speakers for this particular briefing that we couldn't pass up the opportunity to come out so that we could get all of these folks in one place and have the opportunity to hear what it is that they're presenting at this briefing. Briefing took place at the Riverside County Board of Supervisors Chambers in the heart of Riverside uh, City. And we are real pleased to, to now have someone who is who walks the halls of the Capitol building up in Sacramento. Greg Bird, he's the director of capital engagement for the California Family Council. Uh, someone else that's affiliated with that organization is Jonathan Keller. We've had him on as a as a guest in the past. And what, uh, what Greg had the opportunity to present was a lot about the actual laws that were passed, how they came about, um, what was implemented. And so it's a tremendous opportunity to have the uh, ability to visit with Greg and to have him unpack a little of what he shared with the folks at the briefing on California's new comprehensive sexual education curriculum this week. Thank you and welcome to our show and welcome to the our, to our podcast interview. How do we get from AB 329 or from first to that stage and then to the current curriculums that include things like using vegetables as sexual instruments and performing oral on anal sex using dental dams. Yeah, how did we get there? Well, it's been a long road. Um, there's been a, a social revolution that's been in process over the last, uh, especially the last 10 years, and now it's kind of ramping up. Um, and and now, uh, what's really happening is the Healthy Youth Act, um, which that's is that's the AB three twenty nine. That's, that's the basis right. of the that's the statutory basis for the triple X sex ed. That's right. Um, that is kind of the the tip of the iceberg. Uh, that's not the only law. That's really this is the legislature is about transforming the way the whole entire culture views and defines what gender is and and what sexuality should be. And they intend to use the power of the state to indoctrinate, to push and prod and transform what the culture believes. And I believe many people just don't uh, have been accommodating because a lot of this has been pushed under the guise of protecting people from bullying and harassment and bad behavior and protecting LGBT folks from being hurt and wounded, which nobody wants to do except, you know, radical uh, outliers. But under the guise of that, what they're really doing is transforming the way we all view sex, right? And it's and there's only and the state is pushing one viewpoint. It's not as though we all get to have an open state where each person gets to have their own viewpoint. We all tolerate each other. 
that's becoming very intolerant. <laughs> okay, what's what's in it for them? And we're talking about the the the, the agenda behind this is. And it sounds what you're talking about really sounds like going back to what Obama said that, that we're going to fundamentally transform the United States of America. Same type of same type same type of language. What's in it in that process to sexualize children? What is in it? Well, you know, it's it's two competing worldviews. You know, if we I'm from a Christian organization and we believe the. Christian faith has influenced the moral values of the nation for years. Even if you're not a uh, religious believer, you, you still believe that there were two genders and that marriage is a great place to start when raising your family and that adultery is is bad and that the best, um, you know, the, the Christian morals still had a big ple- uh, influence on culture. Well, once you abandon that then you're left with uh, natural uh, following your inner desires, and that becomes your identity. And uh, folks who believe differently um, are so sensitive, <laughs> for whatever reason, folks in the, the LGBT activists are so sensitive to other people disagreeing with them, they find it emotionally harmful and distressing that people would not agree with how they have set up their lives. And so they are, they are seeking to s- limit, stop, and shut down people who d- believe differently, who believe traditionally, you know, on, on the issues of gender and, and marriage and sexuality. Well, in fact, they're the bullies. If you disagree, if you disagree publicly, you know, your, your job is at risk, your business is at risk, uh, in, a, in a student's in the school, you're gonna, you could be punished in school, you're even expelled some places you know, for using the wrong pronouns, calling a boy a girl, or using, uh, if the preferred pronouns are zi, zi, zim, and zim, and use he and she, or as, as the case may be. I've seen cases where the children are disciplined or expelled. No, it's it's happening here. It's happening in Canada. It's 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 a worldwide movement. It's uh, it's kind of shocking. Um, I think a lot of people are, are caught unawares of how quickly this has happened. And there's this idea that we've kind of given up on the First Amendment if if people say that they are psychologically harmed by certain ideas. And many within the LGBT community saying that you know, Christian beliefs on gender and sexuality are so offensive to us that we need, we need to stop them, even within Christian organizations. You know, hey, Christian school, you should not try to have your beliefs taught to your students or require behavior requirements for, that are Christian, right? I mean, every organization has their own behavior requirements, right? <laughs> That's, it's free association, but LGBT community wants to come into Christian organizations and stop them from practicing their Christian faith. It it is it is odd that they that they can't see this is what they're doing. Well, I think they I think they well, I distinguish between the chess players and the school of fish that just goes in the direction that they've been they're supposed to be going and turning one direction in another direction. But they, they know what they're doing, and they and like we you alluded to earlier, they're trying to under they're trying to kick out the foundation of all human civilization, marriage and family. 
and replace it with a state. That's because that, when, they're, when they're gone, what's left? The state. Yeah, I mean, if you step back a bit and, and realize... It's, it's, if I used to live in Hong Kong. Uh, I've been kind of close to communism, uh, seen it up front. And communism is all about the state being the final arbiter in your life. They, they decide what is good for the community, right? So you don't want a lot of independent thinkers in communism, in socialism. You want people to be compliant, right? But families um, teach independence, right? Families teach their own values. <laughs> families are self-sufficient, and so uh, that's a threat. Christianity has always been a threat to socialist systems. Um, Religion is the opiate of the people. That's, that's right. They've always seen it. They've got to get rid of religious belief and religious adherence if you're going to turn a whole entire state to dependence and uh, putting government in charge of everything. I mean, you know, people, might say it's, people might say it's like conspiratorial, but... Folks, um, it's not conspiracy. It's, it's a movement. I mean, they're they're a, they're a political movement, and they're not very secretive about it. Not anymore. They used to just hedge towards these things. I think since something happened when Trump got elected, that they they you know no longer do they have to pretend uh, to care about freedom of speech and parental rights, and you know the parents really should be the ones teaching kids ultimately about value, values and sexuality, more and more they are pushing up against that. And that's why, you know, it used to be the individual school districts could, could be very independent and teach and make sure that the sex ed reflected the values of their community. Now the state is, is taking that freedom away. It says, no, there are certain values you must teach your kids, and we are going to make it harder and harder for you to pull your kids out of those those lessons. Uh, I mean, they are for they are for transforming. Right, they're undermining. Never mind what your parents or your pastor told you about gender, about sexuality, about what's right and wrong. Here's what here. This is the, this is now the truth from the state. And the representative of the state in the classroom is the teacher, which has, has, has great emotional and authority yeah. over the children in the classroom. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a bill up this year. Uh, it's AB 624. And it is going to mandate on the back of every student ID, there is going to be a, a sexual health hotline. And so if kids ever have a question about sex or sexual relationships, no longer are they going to turn to their parents or their pastor. They're going to have instant access to a sexual health hotline. Well, who do you think is going to run to put their sexual hotline number on the back of those? Probably not Pastor George Roscoe we just had, we just had on. I do not think so. Planned Parenthood is going to come and fill the gap. They want to be the, the place people turn to for sex advice, right? And, of course, if whatever method of preventing pregnancy doesn't work— they can always sign up for an appointment to get their, you know, their free, their free abortion, which will pay for by the state. Now, I wonder if they can get free vegetables, too. Who knows? Yeah, as we, as we, as we roll our eyes at that. Um, 
What else is the legislature up to um, in term in, in this in this area? What are they, what are they trying? How else are they trying to change our culture and undermine our the family and parental control over their children? Well, let me just introduce you to a couple uh, laws that are c- currently pending. We're at the end of the legislative session. It's about to end. We got a couple more weeks, and the whole thing's going to be done. It's all going to be up to the governor to sign it or veto it. And so we have one bill. They're really going after foster care kids. And, you know, they can't right now control what your kids do, but they, they're in charge of foster care kids, and, and they are demanding that foster care kids have a right to demand of other adults that they use um, their pronoun of preference. That is now their right. So even if their parent, their foster parent believes in the binary nature of sex it doesn't matter you can only they are they can tell tell, you're teaching kids that they can tell the adult of what the adult needs to tell call them um and you've already talked about all the crazy pronouns yes to force somebody to say a pronoun that they don't believe in is compelled speech right not only that it's your kid the kid that's been placed in new york under your foster care is now going to tell you as the foster parent Here's what you're going to call me. Here's what you're going to say. That's right. It's, it's AB175. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of any Anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM590 The Answer. AM590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM590, the answer. All right, we're continuing with uh, Greg Burt. So we're going to go back to something he was in the middle of talking about the uh, AB493. Yes, I wanted to talk about another bill that's actually going to affect public school teachers. This is AB493. It's going to mandate that all teachers receive uh, training on how to affirm students' LGBTQ identities. So really what it's doing is indoctrinating teachers. To indoctrinate the students. To indoctrinate the students. But So any teacher who has a traditional view of gender, meaning you only believe there's two and it's based on biology, or you uh, believe students should... Uh, not uh, follow through on their sexual desires to decide who they are. Um, that will not be an effective or um, it will not be allowed to, to, to uh, be talked about at school. What's going to be required, and this, this kind of training is already happening, and we've talked to teachers who've gone through it, 
teachers have gone through it, and they were, they were told they can no longer address their class as boys and girls. They can no longer, uh, they must use a child's preferred pronoun of preference. doesn't mean, mandate that they affirm something they know is not true in their students. They're supposed to keep the gender identity of their students a secret from their parents unless the student uh, gives the teacher permission to let the parent know that they've decided that they are a different gender. Um, no, and we're, so, we're almost out of time here, but there's another. There's a, there's a resolution that's uh, that's uh, trying to tell pastors what they're supposed to say and not say in church. That's right. It's ace, uh, it's a Assembly Concurrent Resolution 99. It's directed at pastors, Christian counselors, Christian colleges, and it says that um, these individuals. Uh, Please do not tell people that they can change. Don't try and change someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. The only thing you can do is to affirm. And if you tell a person that there is anything wrong with being LGBT, that is harmful and is stigmatizing them and leading them and causing high rates of depression and suicide. So please stop. It's a direct violation of the First Amendment, which says the government should be neutral towards religion, not dictating to religions what beliefs are permittable. And more or less they're saying that, Christian, your belief system about gender and sexuality is dangerous to LGBT people, and we need to protect these folks. So please stop. It's only a resolution now. It could- a resolution, it'll, it'll eventually be a law, and they'll be, they will wage economic warfare on the churches that still teach what is in the Bible. This is how the persecution of the church is going to come. We're out of time for today. I want to thank you so much for being on our show, being at the conference and helping get the word out and everything you're doing up there in Sacramento. I mean, up there as a, as a lobbyist for a, a Christian organization, it must be kind of like being a, um, uh, a missionary in Rome in the first century A.D. <laughs> well, no, 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 they're not putting us yet. Yeah, not yet. Uh, you know, we, we haven't lost. We are not. Listen, we think it's bad in California. It could get much worse. So I've been in worse, much worse countries before. So let's not assume California lost cause. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want, or anything that you need between now and your final day on Earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, right here on AM590, The Answer. Copy NMLS ID number 9921, 
We are continuing a special podcast from the Riverside County Board of Supervisors where a briefing for clergy, faith, and their staff on the California new comprehensive sexual education curriculum is unfolding. And we have the opportunity to get with each of the speakers that are speaking at this event. And right now, we are privileged to have Netta Higuera with us. Netta is an attorney with Tyler and Birch. And we're so tickled to have her to tell us a little bit about what she's sharing with the pastors here at this event. Thank you, Don. And you're also with a companion public interest law firm, the Advocates for Faith and Freedom. Yes. What do they do? Um, We at Advocates for Faith and Freedom are attorneys who represent clients pro bono on matters that affect the constitutional rights, parental rights, and we want to ensure that our country stays free. We defend the First Amendment vehemently. In fact, you were the lead attorney on a case when they tried to force, the state of California tried to force pro-life family planning clinics to give abortion referrals, and you won that, you won an injunction here in Riverside. Yes, against that law. we did, and the Riverside Superior Court overturned that law as unconstitutional and that it violated the First Amendment free speech because it compelled these pro-life pregnancy centers to speak a message. So thank goodness we were successful in doing that, and we're continuing to fight. And the uh, U.S. Supreme Court also managed to get it right by uh, holding on the First Amendment. Yes, they followed the lead of the Riverside Superior Court. After the Ninth Circuit said it was constitutional and there was no problem with the law, then you had um, the Supreme Court step in and overturn the Ninth Circuit. So now you're here at this this public meeting, which is one of many trying to talk about what they call, what the advocates call comprehensive sexuality education. Yes. And what uh, those of us that know what it is call it triple X. Yes. Sex ed. Yep. So, what is what's the legal aspect? Why are you here, and what do you what do you plan to say here at this conference? So, a lot of people think that advocates are just you know loud and overreacting, and we're you know that everyone needs to calm down. Really, I want to show people that this is a problem. I want to show what we've uncovered through our public records request through the Riverside Department of Education to show that actually there is a huge problem and this isn't just a false alarm or making a mountain out of Mohill. And I also want um, people to know their rights, to know what the law says about opting out of these classes, whether they can, whether they can't, what their options are legally, just to be informed. That's the most important thing, that people have the information and that it's not just hysteria or on the other side of just burying your head in the sand and not knowing anything and not caring because it's overwhelming. What have you discovered through your Freedom of Information Act requests? It was extremely discouraging. We discovered that the Riverside Department of Education was holding meetings with our local school districts in Riverside County. Um, The ACLU was present. Planned Parenthood was present. um, And these various transgender organizations were training our local district officials how to basically not involve parents, how to teach that kids can leave campus and go get an abortion. These are minors, that minors as young as 12, 13 years old can leave campus, be marked as excused absences. They can get around the parents, not notify the parents that their children left for medical care, including um, gender transitioning, hormone therapy, abortion, birth control, and the like. 
and um, also, I mean, it w- the documents they were the ACLU was training our local district officials that, that parents cannot opt out of sex ed when the law clearly states that parents have the right to opt out of all or part. Yet you have the Riverside Department of Education holding these meetings, and it was incredibly one-sided, biased, and it wasn't giving the full picture, and it was giving wrong information. And these are ta- this is our tax dollars at work. I saw posted there was a because uh, parents do have the right to view all curriculum and materials. Yes, and is, of course. Is and it was one of the districts in, in, in Riverside, and the materials are going to be available on a Thursday afternoon between two and two forty p.m. Oh yes, and then and they will have people sit there and watch you while you look at it. So not only do they make it difficult to even make that appointment, you try and call and make the appointment. Someone's on vacation. You know they don't know who the right person to transfer you is. You, it's it's a runaround and it's a very limited window when you can look at this. And also they just make it feel very intimidating. And even me as a lawyer, I was shocked at how even in our local district, how difficult it was for me as a taxpaying parent to look at what sexual indoctrination they're going to be showing to our children in our communities. No, I'm, I'm certainly at the age, you know, we had sex education back in, back in the government-run schools. I, don't, I forget what grade it was. it was. Maybe it was junior, I think it was junior high back then. And, okay, here's the basics. This is how you get pregnant, and this is how, how reproduction works. But you mentioned something different just, in just a few seconds ago. Sexual indoctrination. What do you right. mean by that? Yeah, I'm all about informing, educating um, our youth and helping them to make the right decisions, helping them use their logic and presenting information to them. But that's not what's happening. What's happening here is them showing a one-sided as to, you know, what is, how many genders there are, that there's an infinite number, and that's an objective fact. And if you think otherwise, then you're hateful and you've been taught wrongly by your parents and by your faith leaders. Um, the over-sexualization is another issue, and that's bipartisan. That's not an LGBTQ issue. That's you are teaching our young kids about anal sex and normalizing that and not teaching the dangers. It's incredibly one-sided just in the over-sexualization and in the LGBTQ agenda. I know I've seen some of the materials that involve uh, suggest that you can use vegetables as Sexual instruments. Yes, and that is an actual curriculum that's being used in some of our school districts in California. And they're having these teachers tell children that you can use zucchinis and bananas. I mean, it is perverse and disgusting. No matter which side you fall on politically or morally, religious or not religious, that's wrong on every level. And we can all agree with that. What can, You mentioned the right to opt out. What do parents have to do if they want? How do they opt out of the triple X sex ed? Okay, so first I want to say that opting out is not a solution, but it is temporarily a band aid. And another clarification that the right to opt out only applies to sex ed class. In California, some of this curriculum is weaved into history, it's weaved into um, these assemblies and in all other categories. So you can't opt out of that. If, if a teacher in language arts decides to read a book about an 
you know, a gender transition, then that you don't have the right as a parent to have notice or to opt out unless a local district adopts a policy. But if it is in sex education, the law states that parents can opt out of all or part. You can pick which parts you want to opt out of. But to do that, you have to give written notice to your local school district beforehand. Um, and there are advanced, there are opt-out notices that are already written where you just fill in your child's name and you can go to Advocates for Faith and Freedom's website for those or um, there's various online that you can find but you have to affirmatively do that. It's not a permission slip type of thing where you, you know, you have to give your permission. If you don't do anything, your child will be subjected to this. So you have to have that written opt-out notice. And then some districts try to highlight that for the parents and say, yeah, you know, Here's your opt-out form. In other words, just bury it away and make it seem innocuous. Well, it's just the usual sex ed. Right. And so they, don't, so they don't see it. Yeah. And the important thing is that every district does it differently. So you really have to pay attention. And we can't tell you, well, in this district, this is exactly what they're going to send home or not send home. So it's really parents need to be vig- vigilant and know what's being taught and know how to opt out. This is state law. But what can districts do? Oh, or, just, or what can yes. parents get their, their local school boards to do to at least minimize the impact of this? Yes. So the state law, the language of the law is very vague. It doesn't ta- say to include vegetables as sex toys and some of these other things. So what local districts can do is adopt a conservative curriculum that teaches what needs to be taught, but teaches it in an unbiased way that just presents information. You have people who believe there are two genders. You have people who believe there are an infinite number of genders. And let the, let the kids think about that for themselves and not have to be biased. So first of all, adopt a conservative curriculum that teaches facts, teaches what they need to know without over-sexualizing or politicizing the issue. And the, they can also allow opt-out in those other courses that I mentioned, the history, the language arts. They can allow advance notice if something regarding sex, sexual orientation, gender is discussed. Let parents know in advance so they can at least talk to their kids. They know their kids best and give them a heads up or the, and give them the option to not to have their kids in a separate class when these items are discussed. Now, I understand the Orange County Board of Education adopted a policy that they were going to co-schedule the triple X sex education with the LBGTQ, whatever number of letters they're up to now, at the same time. So when you opt out of one, you opt out of the other. Yes, and that would be great. It hasn't been done yet, but... Um, or the Orange County Department of Education has taken the lead on that issue, and it would be great to see it actually get passed and to see our local districts do the same thing because the county board only has authority under a small number of children. It's really the local school districts that have that control. And so we can and should be going to school board meetings. The the model policy is already drafted and we advise school districts pro bono on the legality on any questions that they have. We come and do presentations, whatever they need, because we want to make it as easy as possible for them to respect parental rights. And where could they find that model policy? They can find it on our website at advocatesforfaithandfreedom.com. And they can call me, Netta Higuera. You just Google me, get my phone number. Um, Alliance Defending Freedom also has the policy published on their website. It's widely available. So there's really no excuse for our local districts not to adopt that policy. So so parents can take this also. And when the the board tries to tell you, sorry, state law, nothing we can do. 
The answer is, oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can, because local control is thankfully a huge part of our school districts and how they're run. So there are things that they can do to comply with the law. We are just about out of time here for our interview, and I appreciate your time here. Anything else you wanted to say about in terms of from the legal side of, of how we approach this issue? No, I just, um, you know, definitely want to remind your listeners to not uh, feel hopeless or discouraged that we are in this together and this is a good fight and we have God on our side and he is greater than that of the world. And so um, be informed, be involved and um, don't get discouraged. God is on our side, but let's also remember the words of Louis Gohmert. It's in God's hands does not mean we can lean on our shovels and wait for the hole to dig itself. Definitely not, no. Thank you so much, Netta, um, for being on the show and everything you're doing for the cause of freedom in America. Thank you, Greg. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590, The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want, or anything that you need between now and your final day on Earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, right here on AM590, The Answer. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. We're continuing to interview the speakers from a briefing that was held at the Board of Supervisors Chambers in the County of Riverside. The briefing was intended for clergy, faith leaders, and their staff on California's new comprehensive sexual education. One of those speakers, George Roska, he's a pastor of New Hope Church, he's a civil engineer, and he's a survivor of communism in Romania. His family escaped Romania uh, early on, and it's a, a fascinating conversation. I've had the opportunity to visit with George about that experience, and uh, they escaped the communist regime of Nikolai Ceausescu. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. Excellent. So what George was presenting at this conference was a, was a, a discussion about where this curriculum that parents are learning about comes from and who's behind it and what the framework and the actual law directs school districts to come. And one of the surprising things, George, from this presentation as well as one that you've done that I heard you do before is this notion of uh, rights. We all know about things like civil rights, right? You know, a great big, there was a great big struggle here in our country in the 60s to, uh, you know, 
broadened civil rights. And uh, now uh, this uh, comprehensive sexual education curriculum is introducing something that I'd never heard about called sexual rights. So if you would take a minute to kind of walk our listeners through what those are and how that forms part of the platform uh, for what's being rolled out in California schools all across California. Sure. Thank you, Don. So sexual rights uh, was a sexual right declaration that was written by Planned Parenthood in 2008. And they made that declaration uh, two years after they actually wrote their framework and guidelines on comprehensive sexuality education. And what sexual rights uh, really means is that every human being is sexual from birth. And in the context of comprehensive sexuality education, where sexuality encompasses uh, a person's not just biological sex, but gender, fantasies, eroticism, pleasure, as Planned Parenthood has redefined the word sexuality to mean, every time I infringe upon somebody's um, desires, you know, or eroticism or behaviors or sexual orientation, I'm infringing on someone's sexual rights. And because those start at birth, how dare we impose our own morality or legislation on youth today or on anybody today on what kind of a sexual relationship or relationships they want to have? Um, and so this is important because it shifts the focus away from parental authority and rights over their own children. And uh, in the 2018 mid-year legislative report that CECUS put out, and CECUS is one of these Planned Parenthood type of organizations that goes around pushes comprehensive sexuality education, they state that if, if a school district has an opt-in policy for sex education, it is actually infringing on a student's right to receive proper education from a, um, a, a trusted source. Uh, so that means if a parent doesn't want their child and opts them out of sex education, in fact, the parent is violating the child's sexual rights. Well, yeah, logically, if, if opt-in violates, so does opt-out violate, exactly. violate the child's, quote, sexual rights, unquote. Now, how does this play into the, what we call triple X sex ed in California, what they call comprehensive sexuality education? So comprehensive sexuality education is the basis for understanding then sexual rights. And when you deprive a student of CSE or triple X sex ed, uh, you're depriving them of their sexual rights. So pretty soon the, the end game for all of this is not just mandating it, um, but having an opt out. It'll be mandated without any opt out. And you also talked about and I heard some I heard your presentation uh, at, the, at the conference is that they supposedly is, is to provide the law requires to provide true actual accurate information about sexual matters mm -hmm. and as as it goes i mean it's hard, it's hard to argue with providing truthful accurate information about anything now the age appropriate is, is of course another issue but you were explaining how it's not truthful and accurate and they intentionally omit information to advance their agenda correct so 
um, from just first standpoint is the science behind all of this, uh, the science behind multiple genders. There is none. Uh, it's all a fairy tale. Uh, you have um, the latest report that I have read that was done internationally, uh, published, peer-reviewed by two uh, Israeli scientists, clearly showing that there are only two sexes, male and female. And that was published in 2017. No. Really? <laughs> it's a shocker. Yeah. But we've known that for 6,000 years or more. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the other part to all of this is... AB 329 mandates a positive, affirmative discussion on all sexual orientations and gender identities, even if they are harmful or untruthful or unscientific. And one of the examples that I, I mentioned uh, and I quoted from the CDC statistics in their Youth Risk Surveillance Behavior Report, um, it's showing the population that is LGBT versus the heterosexual population and how their sexual uh, activities are are impacting them them right there's a there you, you reported a whole series of, of statistics facts correct that people that, that, that young people that engage that are uh, gay homosexual Activity are at much greater risk of, of sexual violence and sexual assault. Correct. So the LGBT population are shown through CDC statistics that they are at risk of three to five times greater than the heterosexual population to have experienced sexual violence while dating uh, or to have been forced to have sexual intercourse while dating. Now, now they are not dating heterosexual people. They are not dating, you know, uh, religious people. They are dating people from within their own community. And yet that violence is unspoken of that is occurring within their own community. There is no outrage. But yet there's outrage against me as a Christian. When I speak out against this, people call me a xenophobe, transphobe, homophobe, and all of the phobes. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you also, uh, and there's, uh, you, may, uh, you may not have talked about it. I didn't see your full presentation is there's medical complications and risks involved in this lifestyle. You know, a year ago in May of 2018, I went to my local school board and we had a medical professional, a doctor of over 20 years from Chalk Hospital in Orange County. And he- That's Children's Hospital. Children's Hospital County. of Orange County. Uh, a very respected gentleman. And my neighbor actually knows him personally and I didn't understand what was behind his three-minute testimony uh, that he gave in front of the school board. But my neighbor explained to me, he said, George, you know why this doctor was so passionate about proving medically that all of this stuff is bogus? He said he was working the ER a couple weekends ago before that, and he had a very young boy who had come in with his anus completely lacerated because of some teenage boy who had performed some heinous sexual acts on this young boy who was about to die from losing so much blood. And so the medical inaccuracies that are never talked about and the dangers of anal sex and of other kind of uh, sexual activity that occurs within that population is 
not even mention putting our children at risk. Under the law, they're not allowed to mention those facts. They are not. And the law itself, I call it a bipolar law because the law says it should be medically accurate, but then it, it has to be affirmative in everything it says. And that doesn't jive. It's to, according to my legal opinion, and I'm not a lawyer, uh, it's a law that can not be enforceable because it contradicts itself. You also talked about, well, they say this frame, the state framework, because the law doesn't talk about some of the really bad stuff, for example, using vegetables as sexual instruments or performing oral on anal sex using a dental dam. That's not in the statute, but it's in this curriculum that they, and the framework that they've adopted. And they say, well, it's not really mandatory for districts, but you showed that it really is. The curricula goes, let, let's just start off, the law is very vague and on purpose because when you understand what sexuality has been redefined to mean, then you understand that everything that's in the curriculum is fair game. So because sexuality has this very new broad definition, the framework gets, gives you a glimpse of that and it goes to a nth degree of detail that you don't need. And then the curricula, some of them, uh, the, of those six that have been approved at the state level, goes into the vegetables and the demonstration and the role-playing and the putting on condoms onto bananas or onto fully erect male penis models. Um, it's just mind-boggling. But there is nothing you can do to enforce a, a counter-movement against that because that technically falls within the limitations of the law if you understand what the new definitions mean. You also talked about the agenda behind this. Tell us about that. So when you look at Planned Parenthood, at CECUS, the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States, at the Human Rights Campaign, at Gelson, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, and all of their funding organizations, because these are nonprofit organizations, they get their money from somewhere. And a lot of that money is coming from um, the, the teachers' unions, both the state teachers' union and the national teachers' union. Their whole agenda is either funding abortions because they say sexual education is critical to abortions or they say that we need to abolish heteronormativity and heteronormativity is this word they've created it's a fancy term that i had no, I had no clue about until about a year ago um, that is to abolish the type of society that we are used to, which is a heteronormative society, which means there are two sexes, the male and the female sex, and that in this relationship, there are roles and responsibilities, um, and that the way we've known society um, to, to have function in the past is, um, is not good. All human civilization has been built on family and marriage. Correct. Between a man and a woman. Correct. And now they're trying to... Uh, eliminate under to eliminate that key foundation of all of all human civilization like okay I, as if what could possibly go wrong and they're writing these in articles and in teen vogue magazines that are geared towards our youth to brainwash our children's minds or just why this past week there was someone on msnbc that was saying you know heterosexuality is just not working anymore <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I mean, how do you, how do you how, how do you even respond? How do you how do you even uh, respond to that? We are just about out of time here. Anything else you'd like to add in terms of you know, what parents should know, what what they should be doing, what they can be doing? You know, um, I'm a parent. I have four children, and this was really the impetus for me to get involved. And what I realized was that because I was not involved and because people like me have not been involved in the political arena, which we very much shy away from because we always like to say we're not political. This isn't political anymore. Uh, This is moral. This is a moral obligation that every parent must undertake to become civically activated and removing politicians from their positions when they do not respect our parental rights and or put and enact laws. So parents, I strongly encourage you get informed because you need to be educated when you go in front, get informed when you speak to people and get involved. There's one other point that I just recall now, and it's important enough that I want to stretch our time here. You mentioned the concept of spiritual abuse that's mentioned to you in the curriculum or in the framework, and that seems to be a uh, very large camel's nose under the tent. Tell us what's, what's going on here. So the health framework had a particular section uh, dealing for the uh, chapter for middle school, 7th and 8th graders, and it says this. Spiritual abuse is defined as using religion to justify rigid gender roles. That means if you are a Christian, if you are a Muslim, if you are a Buddhist, if you are Jewish, if you are of any faith, and that faith together with science informs you that there is a binary um, gender and and, and sex uh, that that, that you know, um, that you are spiritually abusive to someone. Can it be too long before CPS is showing up at parents' doors saying that you are spiritually abusing your child by insisting they go to church and insisting that they follow the precepts of, your, of the religion of your, of your family? That is a very short distance away. That's exactly where the camel's nose that I, that I saw when you mentioned that. Thank you so much for being on our show and for your interview and for everything you're doing for the cause of freedom and for what's for, for truth, justice, and the American way. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock. On AM 590, The Answer. We are at a conference here at the Riverside County Board of Supervisors on the new XXX sex education. We've been interviewing the presenters, and we are especially pleased to have a frequent guest, not a frequent guest, but a multiple guest on our show, Rebecca Friedrichs, who was a 29-year teacher. She was the lead plaintiff in a lawsuit challenging mandatory 
teacher union dues that would have succeeded but for the untimely death of Justice Scalia. Now, subsequent to that, there's another case that achieved that result. And now her cause, among others, is this triple X sex education that's being pushed in the California government-run schools. And just by way of just a couple examples, and these are real, this is not made up, this is not exaggerated, is they teach to use vegetables as sexual instruments, and they teach children to use dental dams in performing oral on anal sex. Mm-hmm. It's that bad. And Rebecca is doing everything she can to get the word out about that. Welcome. I am so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So we've, we've talked about some of the specifics of it. What is your perspective? What do you, what do you, how are you trying to combat this? The way I'm trying to combat this is by educating teachers, educating faith leaders and parents that they need to put their arms around teachers and educate teachers. So let me back up. Teachers unions are the ones funding this entire agenda. These offensive curriculums in our classrooms, pushing these laws, uh, forcing teachers to do things they don't want to do, uh, in addition to discipline issues, all kinds of problems in our schools, are all being pushed through the state and national teachers unions. Well, how do they fund it? Through teacher union dues. And most teachers pay about $1,000 a year in dues or more. Most of that money goes up to the state and national levels. For example, here in California, if a teacher pays about $1,000 a year, 700 goes to the state level, the CTA, and 192 goes to the national. So the locals keeping the, the, the change, a little tiny bit. The locals, the nice teachers standing together, actually care about the kids, but the state and the national are pushing a social, sexual, and political agenda into our schools, onto our kids, onto our culture. So my goal is to educate these teachers that the unions are not really our friends. They're not really representing us like they say they are. They're actually pushing an agenda off of us, an agenda that is actually degrading our profession and damaging our schools and harming, abusing little kids. And so if teachers know the truth, then they can stand and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to pay for, for this anymore. You mentioned that we had a case went to the Supreme Court, we have won them the right to no longer pay union dues. So my goal is to educate teachers, get everyone else to adopt every teacher they know. I call it adopt a teacher. Put your arm around them, embrace them, educate them with a book I wrote recently called Standing Up to Goliath, and then empower them to get out of those unions. Stop paying them. How well is that working? Is are, what, 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 do you have any information on how what percentage of teachers have opted out of the union since that case came down? We don't have exact science um, surveys done yet. Um, I've heard that it's about 10 to 15%, so it's not high enough. It needs to be 50, 60%. So we 90? can decert. Oh, well, once we get 50, 60, then we can decertify the unions and get them out completely, which is what I really believe needs to happen. The state and national unions, if teachers want to organize locally and stand together, great. And more power to them, as long as they're not a union. They could be a professional association. But um, uh, unfortunately, not enough have opted out yet. And the reason is... It's really hard to educate them. It's very hard to get the information to teachers because unions have monopoly control of their email and monopoly control of speaking to them 
at the school site. So I can't go into a school site and talk to teachers. I have to talk to them one at a time. But if I can really get pastors and churches and communities to understand the importance of every single person adopting every teacher they know and love, we could get a whole bunch. We could get millions to opt out quickly because we would do it, you know, work together at the grassroots. Are, they af- are the teachers afraid to opt out either because they're going to be suffer retaliation or harassment or bullying from the union or they just feel that they need, that vis-a-vis the administration, they need somebody who will have their back if there's an issue? It's both. So teachers are, af- first of all, teachers have been bullied harshly for decades. But all the bullying has been done by the unions, but the teachers believe it's the district bullying them or the parents bullying them. So unions are so deceitful that they have deceived teachers into believing that the unions are their savior. They really need the union for everything. When teachers start to look at the truth, for instance, on our website for kidsandcountry.org, there's a page called Union Politics. If teachers go there and just read some of the new business items that our union has passed at the national level, they will be horrified and shocked to see what they are funding, like abortion, um, this sex ed stuff, um, all kinds of divisive rhetoric, uh, uh, sanctuary cities, abolishing ice. The teachers unions are behind all of this stuff. So when teachers find out the truth, they go, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was funding that. Once they see the truth, like I did, and they start fighting back, they get severely bullied. So they're either, they either don't know the problems or they get bullied. Either way, this is why we need people to stand around teachers because teachers cannot escape this alone. The teachers that know what's going on are so afraid that the majority of them will not opt out because they believe that the unions are the only ones who will protect them. They believe they need the liability insurance that's fun, um, su- uh, supplied by the unions. They believe that they need the unions standing up for them. But here's the truth, teachers. I know teachers who've been fired in two or three days did nothing wrong, but they dared to do what was right for the kids and the union didn't like it and didn't stand up for them. So if the union doesn't want to stand up for you, they don't. And you can get that liability insurance, double the coverage, better coverage from independent organizations for a fraction of the cost. All of that information is on our website for kidsandcountry.org at teacher. Um, rights and protections, I think we call it on that. Conversely, they, they will they will fight tooth and nail for a teacher that's accused of sexual misconduct. That's right. They do it all the time. Here's why. Teachers unions will defend you if you are sued because the teacher union liability insurance really only covers you if you're sued. Well, most great teachers are never going to be sued, but they might have a job action against them by their, uh, you know, principal who's unscrupulous or their superintendent or whatever, they get harassed. So teachers who just get harassed, uh, guess what? Your union liability insurance doesn't cover that. I have a friend who was harassed recently. She was not guilty. It was a misunderstanding. She was not defended by her union. They said to her, she she said, where's my million dollars in protection? And they said to her, oh, that's only if you're sued. This job action is going to cost us at least a hundred grand to defend you. If you give us a hundred thousand dollars, we'll defend you. That's she nice lost of them. her job. Yeah, very nice. She had paid her union dues for twenty-four years faithfully. They did nothing for her. And that's where you really need it, is, is when that in that job action. That's much more. You're more. That's where you really need some some help, some legal help. Exactly. 
Exactly. What else is going on in, in the in the government? We had, we talked today. It was all about the triple X sex education. Yeah. But your your focus is a little bit broader. Oh yeah. Well, for example, I, I saw you, you had a you had a post about a, a student paper on global warming. Yes. And you would highlight a particular you know, hear all the reasons, all the, all the talking points, and the, the children had been had, been, had memorized, childhood memorized. Right. right. And then the solutions included. Don't have one, any babies. One or no, or no children. Yeah, don't have children. They're indoctrinating our children to don't have any kids. To, to save the planet, because the planet's going to be destroyed in 12 years, according to the teachers' union. It is unbelievable. So they are indoctrinating our children with very unscientific um, rhetoric, theories that they're teaching as facts, because they're trying to push an agenda. So the teachers' unions in 2017, the National Education Association, adopted a new business item about science in which they actually changed the scientific method. They crossed out empirical evidence based on... Who needs that? Yeah, yeah. Who needs, <laughs> who needs the truth? Uh, you know, they crossed out the part, the part where you're actually, you know, testing things to see if your hypothesis is correct. Crossed it all out and changed it to scientific theory based on scientific consensus. And then... The 97%? Problem, exactly. And see, and here's the big problem. The only scientific consensus that consensus that counts is those that the teachers union agrees with, which is a far left radical agenda. So this whole global warming thing, the kids aren't being taught a balanced perspective on, okay, maybe we have some climate change here. Here's the issues. Um, Maybe some of it's natural. Maybe some of it's caused by man. No, they're being told it's all being caused by man and the cow farts and we need to, you know, save the planet and stop having babies and, and stop driving cars and all of this. And, and, and the children are being terrified, first of all. They think their, their planet's about to explode. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're being, sadly, they're not being educated. They're being indoctrinated. And that's just one of many, many issues. Uh, I know you have to run here, and um, I've stretched our time because you're such a great guest. There was a question came up about how all this relates to what they talked about in the book 1984, 2 plus 2, that the, 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 the lead character talked about the ultimate freedom is to be able to say that 2 plus 2 is 4. Yeah, true. And, 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 and you wanted to elaborate on that. I really did. I wanted to address that question and didn't get to. So what I wanted to say was, you know, I was in the classroom when Common Core came down, and I want to tell your listeners what really happened with Common Core, because Common Core is famous for this this loose math where you don't really get the right answer, right? So my, my example is not about math. It's about something else in Common Core. So here we were at the school level. And we were told, and, and it's always frantic. Everybody's always stressed out. And, and so our, our district administration told us, you have to implement Common Core. And we said, okay, what is it? And they said, we don't know. It hasn't been written yet, but you have to implement it. And we said, what? <laughs> this was worse than, than Obamacare that no one had read. At least they'd written it. This one, no one had written. So we were all, I mean, I'm telling you, teachers were stressed out. We didn't know what to do. We had to teach something where no one knew what it was, but we had to teach it and implement it. So how did the unions and their friends who were behind all of this save us? In my district, this was my experience, they developed two websites that only teachers were allowed to use. 
We were told specifically you may not access these websites from home. You can only access from your school computer. You have to use these special codes. Parents can't see them. So we would go to these you know, websites, and teachers were all stressed, right? You have to implement it tomorrow. Yep. Okay? So they didn't have time to preview these lessons. I want to tell you a couple of the lessons that were on these websites. One of them my teacher friend taught to her third graders without previewing it because of the stress. The entire lesson was about the father of our country, George Washington. The whole lesson focused on how he owned slaves and he was such a bad guy. The whole lesson was disparaging our founding fathers. It gave the children no factual evidence or um uh, balanced information about the time in which our fathers were were living. It didn't talk at all about how they fought against slavery, but the problem they had bringing the republic together with that issue and how they had to make some concessions. It didn't talk at all about the Civil War and how many, many, many uh, um, Americans, with white skin, by the way, gave up their lives to end slavery. So it was very one-sided and very biased. By the time she got to the end of the lesson, her third graders hated George Washington, the father of our country. This is how the teachers unions and their friends are manipulating children to hate America, to believe in their divisive, angry rhetoric. And this is how they are using teachers who, who are just totally naive to it to push an agenda. Another lesson that was in there, um, a, a specialist had to come into our rooms. All of us teachers had to be taught by this specialist. Even though I had been teaching like 26, 27, I don't know, 25 years at this point, a specialist had to come in and train me regularly on how to teach these lessons. Well, the lesson she started teaching to my class was all about renewable energies and all about uh, wind turbines. Now, it started out great, learning about wind turbines. We were having fun, making our little paper wind turbines, until it all of a sudden turned on a dime, and the lesson was cutting down anyone who does uses any kind of fossil fuel, making those folks look like they're evil. Uh, I mean, it was a political agenda being brought into the classroom in, disguised as a science lesson. What are the odds that that, that, that uh, specialist drove to if, school that day? If the what? The specialist who was saying you're evil if you use fossil energy fuels. Yes. What are the odds that she drove to school that day? Oh, oh yeah. High <laughs> odds. Uh, in a Mercedes, by the way. She had a really nice car. And, and I want to tell you, this specialist, she wasn't part of this agenda. She's just a, a wonderful teacher whom I knew and loved, but she was naive. Teachers are naive. They believe, that, oh, we were doing the best for the kids. We're teaching this wonderful curriculum, but they don't realize they're being used to push an agenda. In the middle of her lesson, I stopped and I said, whoa, hey, whoa wait a minute. We're not going to teach a, an unbalanced lesson here. We're going to give the kids both sides of the story here. Hey, I have no problem if my students have a problem with fossil fuels. That's great mm-hmm. if they come to that on their own with their own mind and their own, you know, God-given intelligence, not being manipulated to believe it. So, um, th- so this is what's going on, and, and teachers are being exploited. Children are being exploited, and it's all coming down from these very powerful unions and their allies who push this stuff into our schools. I have abused your time far too long here, uh, but I would appreciate you being on the show. That's Rebecca Friedrichs, her book, Standing Up to Goliath, Goliath being the teacher unions. You got it. Rebecca Friedrichs being David. Or oh, well, not me, but 
anyone who yes. stands up to the teachers unions. And can I tell your listeners one thing? Sure. We have a program we call Adopt a Teacher. And again, it's on our website for kidsandcountry.org. Just click on Adopt a Teacher and you can learn how to do it in three minutes. Adopt a Teacher just means put your arm around any teacher you know and love and educate them. We wrote this, I wrote this book with the stories of dozens of teachers exposing what's really going on. Three chapters on the sex ed alone. Discipline issues, all the nightmare discipline problems. That's the teachers unions too. And, and they're, you know, chosen uh, politicians. So, um, Please help these teachers to read this information, to learn the truth, and then stand with them as they leave these unions. Because we really can um, restore our schools, our authority. We can restore the teaching profession. We can have great schools again if we can get the unions out. You can also connect with Rebecca on her website, forkidsandcountry.org, and also the same name on Facebook. Thank you, Rebecca, for being at the conference, for being on our show, and for everything you're doing for the cause. Thank you. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. We are at a special meeting at the Riverside County Board of Supervisors room on the X sex education as well as the LBGTQ, whatever number of letters they're up to now these days, on how that's coming down in the California government-run schools. We've had a great panel, and now we have on the radio with us Dr. Laura Haynes, who is a psychologist with 40 years' experience. Her has degrees in theology and psychology and three masters and a Ph.D. She's the former president of the Christian Association of Psychological Studies in the Western Region. Welcome, and thanks, uh, thanks for being here at the conference and what you're doing for the cause. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, your perspective, and I've looked at your, I found your, found your website here, is that uh, this gender, the same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria is that, I mean, the leftists, the Democratic Party, so on, they'll tell us, this stuff is locked in that you are born as you are born gay or if you're you do, you're identifying your biological male, but you're a female that is locked in genetically. Can't do a thing about it. Well, that's what activists are saying, Greg. But here's what the professional organizations are saying. I know of no professional organization that says that same sex attraction is caused by a gene and I know of no professional organization that says being transgender is caused by having a microbrain structure or a brain of the opposite sex. So the American Psychological Association's APA Handbook of Sexuality, which they have de- the organization has declared is authoritative, says same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria are not simply biologically determined by things like genes or hormones or brain structures, there are always experiences after birth that are involved, psychological and social influences. And the APA handbook also says, as does research internationally, same-sex attraction for many shifts or changes over time. 
So it's not locked in. And for children who experience transgender identity, 75% to 98% will naturally outgrow it if they are not affirmed, according to the American Psychological Association's handbook. So eight professional organizations warn that this is that that affirming transgender identity can lock a a child in to that identity who otherwise, if left alone, would likely have outgrown it. What's going on is in the, in the government-run schools is that pre-puberty children. They, they experience some confusion, and of course it's being added to because the teacher from kindergarten now, they're, they're, oh, you have a choice of your genders, and you have a whole wide range of spectrum, never mind what your silly parents tell you, uh, that there are just two, no, 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 mm-hmm. and they have books about this, so they're, they're, they're deliberately confusing them, and then they say, okay, I feel like a, I'm a, a boy, so I feel like a girl, okay, that's it. That's it. We, 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 need to, we, need to get, we need to give drugs to suppress puberty and ultimately leading to surgery just because some eight-year-old thinks that they might want to, they're the opposite gender. Well, this affirmative approach is particularly concerning for kindergartners and young children. Uh, most children by the age of about three can say, I'm a boy or I'm a girl. But they may not understand that this, that, um, they may think if they change their clothes and dress like the other sex, it makes them be the other sex. Or they may not understand that a girl will keep on being a girl until she grows up to be a woman, and a boy will continue to be a boy until he grows up and becomes a man. So if you start telling them you can be the other sex or your own sex, or both sexes, or no se- no gender, or any gender, you confuse them and you can terrify them. You can scare them because they think it's possible. We saw this at Rockland Academy near Sacramento. A kindergarten teacher did a gender change ceremony impromptu with her kindergarten class. Parents were not notified. And uh, she read a couple of books that say that uh, ch- tell the children with false scientific information that they could have the brain of the other sex in their body. And then sent the child into the bathroom where the child changed clothes, came out, and was reintroduced as the opposite sex. Well, that night, a little girl was taking her bath, and she saw her wet hair in the mirror. She thought she looked like a boy, and she was terrified she had become a boy. So she was terrified, and in the meantime, the child who was affirmed is now locked in, who otherwise had a very high probability of outgrowing it if he would, they, they would have been supported and left not affirmed. It seems perniciously evil to me that, that you would treat a child with the drugs and even worse, surgery. You're going to mutilate them for life. Based on these, based on the you know, early decisions, and I, I think it's the APA, is that see this or the physicians organization wants tells doctors to caution children about getting a tattoo because it's permanent. <laughs> yes, right, right. Um, it's just hard, hard to fathom. But once you affirm the children, the research 
and we don't have a lot of research, and yet we're diving in and doing all of this to kids. But the research we have says once you transition them to live, to dress, and be called by the pronouns of the opposite sex, they are locked in. And it does lead to a, a tragic uh, process for them because then they go to, they're sent down a path, the medical path, which includes puberty blockers on which, and we have no research behind giving these to teenagers to transition. None. It's experiment, we're experimenting on children. Give them puberty blockers, then give them high doses of toxic wrong sex hormones. The research on that is very poor. And What could possibly go wrong? Yes. And then surgeries remove their breasts and potentially affect their reproductive organs. And we know all of this leads to uh, two to two and a half times higher rates of deaths from cancers and heart disease. And it leads to um, 2.8 times higher rates of persisting rates of psychiatric hospitalizations and a 19 times higher rate of completed suicides. This isn't health, Greg, and it isn't suicide prevention. Oh, not at all. And it's, they never tell you. So, they, so they, 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 when they teach this stuff in schools, they never mention, oh, by the way. It will lead to all these consequences. Right. So right now, the latest, uh, one of the latest steps of our legislature is AB 493, which will require all teachers and certified staff members in public and charter schools to be coerced to be trained in LGBTQ affirmative schools. The teachers, many teachers do not want this. They don't, believe, they don't agree with it, and they are terrified. Now, if the state decides to compel the teachers to express beliefs and pronouns in violation of their religious faith, this will end in lawsuits. So this is harmful to, to not only to, it's harmful to LGBT students, and it's harmful to teachers and staff and to students who are being placed under pressure to go along with these things and who feel terrified to speak up and, and, and say their views that might disagree. Um, so, so this is a very bad situation, and we, want, we need everyone to oppose this, to contact their senator and let him know how you feel about this. Isn't part, part in, in, in psychiatry is if someone has a belief that is contrary to reality, I'm a cat, and I, I heard about there, there's actually a, a, a true case of this where the guy thought he was a cat, and, when, yeah. and every night he would, we have a day, we had a regular day job, but every night he would go out and prowl around the alleys, the alleys like a cat. Mm. You don't affirm him as a cat and say, "Oh, you're transitioning from human to cat." You try, you try to adjust his thinking to reality. Right, right. But 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 for children here, for uh, for for a political agenda. It's the opposite. It's insanity. It's insanity, Greg. And you know what? The research shows this is not even necessary in our schools. 
AB 493, actually in the bill, uses the Gleason 2017 School Environment Survey to be promoting this. And if the legislators scroll down to Appendix 2 where the research data is actually given, they would discover, first, religious schools who are, are not using any LGBT approaches. They don't have affirmative, that is, LGBT curricula, books, tech, uh, uh, website links, library resources, teachers, administrators, policies, or procedures. And yet, the religious schools came out with the lowest rate of LGBTQ bullying and victimization, lower than the private non-religious schools that had all these LGBTQ affirming measures this bill is pushing. So this approach is not necessary. The Gleason survey said many schools have generic anti-bullying policies, but they haven't trained their teachers to be effective in implementing them. Greg, I really believe that everyone wants to bring down bullying for LGBT students and all students, and I believe that an an anti-bullying policy for all would be well supported and received. Parents would love it. Right, but again, it doesn't serve the political agenda of undermining Judeo-Christian culture, undermining parental control Mm -hmm. over their children. So this is really about ideas, beliefs, changing people's beliefs. It's a cultural shift thereafter. I believe that's the real issue here. What are you doing? I mean, beyond this, are you doing anything beyond the conference, or is your association of the uh, the Christian Psychological Association or the Christian Council? I forget the exact name. Uh, what are they doing to try to combat this? Okay, well, um, what I'm doing, I'm a psych- California psychologist. I've retired from clinical practice after for over 40 years' experience, and what I do now full time is. Uh, review research, write, and speak and um, on issues that have to do with religious faith. So I've been testifying before legislative hearing committees, speaking to professional organizations that are open to what I have to say and and actually interested in it. Um, And that's the kind of thing I've been doing. My organization's... um, have mostly have to do with other areas that have the, the intersection of of these um, interests, and I've recently become involved in addressing what's happening in the schools. Have you been involved in your practice at all in in, in, in counseling either children or adults, either on LBGT or on transgender that they don't want to go in a certain direction and they you try to help them with what they want where they want to go. There are people who do want to change their sexual orientation, and we and they do come for therapy. I'm, as I said, retired now. But there are four common reasons people seek uh, therapy to help them uh, deal with their dissatisfaction with their sexual orientation. Um, and there, the four common reasons are, first, they identified as gay, but they didn't find it fulfilling, and they want to change. 
Um, second, they feel that um, they that there was trauma that caused their sexual orientation, and they want help to, to be healed. They want to heal. There are others who are married and have children. There are many, I would say almost half, who come for therapy are married and have children. And they don't want these temptations. They love their spouse. They love their children. They want to save their marriage and family. And then there are those for whom this living according to these feelings would is counter to their faith. And they want to live according to their faith. Everyone should have the right to change sexual behaviors and feelings and experiences that don't work for them and have helped to do it. And that's the area where I've actually been doing the most research writing and speaking. And of course, you know, the other side claims to be pro-choice. It's certainly not about, it's, uh, it's only to kill unborn children. It's not about to choose your sexuality or what kind of counseling you might want. That's right. We have, I've stretched your time here because you're such a wonderful guest, but uh, I want to thank you for being at the conference. Thank you for being on our show and everything you're doing for the cause of, of freedom and truth, justice in the American way. Now, let's, let's Dr. Laura Haynes, and do you have a website, or do you have any way people would, would, might want to contact you? Um, I think that here's some ways people can get information. You can go to therapyequality.org forward slash harms of therapy bans, and you get lots of information on sexual orientation, gender identity, research, and so on. On the laws and taking action, such as it's AB 493, and we would like everyone to take action on this, please go to californiafamily.org. The top stories going across the banner will give you this information on this bill and help you take action. While you're there, please address ACR ACR 99 as well. You'll see it there and sign our letter in opposition to what our legislators are intending for us. Thank you. I never thought I'd be able to interview Dr. Laura. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 